0: Alright, what's up everybody? It's your pal Val and welcome back to the show. I'm your host Val and today we've got on another guest. Thank you all for tuning in to listen live. I appreciate y'all. And we're going to start the show the same way we always do and that is with the song. So I'm going to play the song and then we're going to let our guests explain it and um, we'll get into the interview. So here we go. Yo sé que tus padres no te quieren
1: conmigo. No sé si será por mi tatuaje o la forma en que yo vivo. Dile que tú me quieres. Que no le haga caso a lo que le diga. Nos vivimos enamorando día a día. Dile que yo soy el que te.
0: for the um, technical difficulties there. <laughs> 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 um, our guest today is Eli Perez mendez mm-hmm. and um, why did you select that song? What was the song? Why did you select it?
2: Well, this song, besides it being on my mind the past few days because of a party, um, it's actually a song that used to be played at parties when I was younger, and like I love to dance, and it brings back a whole bunch of good memories for me
0: love to hear it. Um, for those that don't know about the event, it was the LSU Noche, right?
2: Yeah, Noche de Flores.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Happened this past Saturday. I'm uh, very sad that I couldn't make because I was on duty, mm. but whatever. I'll just keep listening to all my friends talk about how great it was, and I'll have FOMO. Um, so, can you just like give a brief introduction about like who you are, how you're doing today?
2: So, my name is Elijah Perez-Mendez. Most people call me Eli. Um, I'm a senior yeah, at Fairfield, a history major, um, with a couple minors. We don't have to go into those. Well, please do <laughs> share. <laughs> well, uh, classical studies, black studies, and education. Um, what else? I'm from New York City. I'm the eldest of six. So, uh, safe to say, it's uh, my life is very active, for sure. Um, you learn a lot of lessons throughout it, and that's a little about me.
0: Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So I want to start by asking you why you consider yourself an open book, because when I first told you I had my show, I didn't even have to ask you before you said, I want to be on it, which I love because a lot of people will be like, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I want to be on your show, but you are like, I'm an open book, I can't wait to be on your show. And why is
2: that? I just love talking to people and sharing my experiences. I find that just being vulnerable and being honest is the best way to connect with someone. And so I try to do that to the best of my ability and as often as I can.
0: That's awesome. So what advice would you give to others who want to be more open like when they find it hard to trust other people?
2: Mm. I would say if you find it hard to be open in terms of trusting other people, you could always be selective. You don't have to put everything, everything out there the open because nobody needs to hear everything. But you say what you're comfortable with. And when you start from there, you could start taking risks. And that's how you get to be more open.
0: Gotcha. How do you decide who it is that you can trust?
2: For me, it's more so the energy I get from a person, especially when talking to them. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of sounds kind of cliche, no. but, but, me. but you could tell if you're talking to someone, if they're interested in that, or if you're really enjoying talking to them and you feel like it would be in your best interest to continue conversating with them and to grow.
0: Gotcha. So trust your intuition. Mm-hmm. Good to know, are there any like specific signs in that that you're looking for? Besides, like, yes, they're paying attention to you, but how do you know if a person is genuine or not? Like, what are, what are some things that you look for?
2: Genuine, um, definitely facial reactions. Uh, so it'd be if you say a response and you hear a fake laugh, mm. everyone has a fake laugh sometimes, but like, if you really hear that fake laugh, gotcha, um, that's one of them. Mm-hmm. Two, I feel is. Them saying the uh-huh, like, just, like, uh-huh, uh-huh. trying to affirm, but, like, not really paying attention.
0: So they're just basically agreeing with everything you're saying.
2: Yeah, and gotcha. not really listening. Mm-hmm. That's a key part um, in order to be open. Um, what's another thing? I would say in terms of just letting you speak. That's another thing. If they're always cutting you off or trying to get straight onto the next subject when you speak, Mm -hmm. that's something that could really hurt you and make you feel excluded. And so you wouldn't want to say stuff that you would have on your mind.
0: That makes sense. So have you ever dealt with a situation where you've shared something and... That person maybe didn't deal with it as well as you would have hoped, or it kind of got spread in a way that you didn't appreciate. Like, how did you deal with that and not let it deter you from continuing to be an open
2: book? Um, so for me, I love making jokes, and you know, some of the jokes are not always the best. They don't hit, or they kind of not best for the environment. You do your best, like (laughs) you know, like we all do. Um. And you're not (laughs) gonna get the best reaction. Mm -hmm. And so, when you notice that they didn't react right, then it's a sign for you it's like, okay, I need to take a step back, analyze my audience for a second, and make sure I don't say anything that's gonna make them uncomfortable, because then that's gonna make me uncomfortable as well.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Appreciate that, because at least I know for me, I have trouble being an open book the way that you are, mm-hmm. trusting other people, just always wondering what they're going to do with that information. So I think it's helpful for other people I've spoken to, listen to my show, who have expressed the same thing. And that's why I'm grateful that you're here. Like, Literally mm-hmm. said to me, Val, ask me anything.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: What does one do with that? I don't know. But the next 50 or so minutes left of the show, we're going to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we touched on this in a conversation we had about where you're from. And I want to know what it was like growing up in what, where you were from, and like if you think that has shaped your identity.
2: Okay, so I grew up in New York City. Specifically, I grew up in House Kitchen. So that's around 56th Street, you know, Midtown Manhattan. I came from the projects, so I feel for myself it truly formed my identity. Because it made me feel like I had to work for everything I had. And, of course, there's going to be times where you have to be very conscious of your surroundings and what you tell people. Um, but, you learn that you can really build a community with the people who are there. Because it's such a close-knit one. And it teaches you that with the right people, you could tell them anything. And it's just a point in finding the right people and making yourself available and being there for others, whether it's helping them out or just listening.
0: Do you think there are any misconceptions about where you come from and how do you deal with people who might have some opinions about you before they even really know you?
2: I mean, a funny thing is when I tell them I come from midtown Manhattan, Mm -hmm. a lot of times they think, oh it's a nice luxury like apartments and stuff or like a nice place and i'm like hmm. it's nicer than other places but for sure i've i'm not as rich or as um what's another word for it i don't have as much as other people
0: well especially <laughs> so, in manhattan you know yeah. like there's a, there's a huge disparity of wealth so.
2: Ex- exactly. There is a huge disparity. But for me, it's just saying that, you know, it's really a close-knit community. Of course, bad things are going to happen. That's another conception. It's like, oh, like, the city is, like, really safe. And, like, most part it is, but there's some parts where it's like bad things happen, but you keep it rolling. You mm-hmm. have to learn how to handle yourself. And protect those around you while still having fun and ex- having your life experiences.
0: Interesting. So when you first moved out of Manhattan, it was for college, correct? Yes. So what was that like adjusting to an area that's so unlike where you grew up?
2: Um. So when I moved in, it was COVID year. So it was really hard Um, in terms of getting to know people and just being around others. So it was definitely difficult to start off. But sophomore year was really my freshman year, I like to say, because that's when I actually got to experience college. Um, I would say that sometimes it's hard adapting to a culture, and there's always going to be people who... You're not going to be friends with her. You're not going to rock with uh-huh. Um But an important thing is that you do go outside. You have to push yourself to go outside. Don't feel that because these people are different from me, I can't do anything with them. Because everyone's different from one another. But, you know, there's much less difference than there are similarities. And you get to learn that when you actually talk to people.
0: So do you think that the physical setting of being in a super urban area versus, like, the suburbs was less jarring than what you were talking about? Like, the different—I mean, when you think about New York, New York, I mean, you don't have to look far to find diversity or people that are, come from all over the world. And when you come to Fairfield, Connecticut— <laughs> Yeah. That's a little bit of a different story. It might be a little bit more of a search, so do you think that was more of a struggle for you, like you were saying versus the actual physical setting, or is it
2: both I don't wanna I, I think for me, it was the people um, okay. because physical setting, you could always adapt to that. Mm-hmm. you just work your way around it. like I love to walk, so walking in town doesn't really affect me. Gotcha. But it's really just adapting to different types of people and different types of cultures, um, for sure. Just learning how to be open and that, and checking your biases. That's probably one of the most important things. You have to check your bias because everyone has a bias towards someone, but there's often times where I'm proven wrong. So I'm, I've been proven wrong more than I've been proven right, which is a nice thing.
0: Interesting. Do you care to share an example
2: of that? Um what's a good example? So I guess you could say there's a good friend that I made. He's um he was an RA last year. It was like the way he dressed, people often thought he was like a business boy. He like frat and stuff like that. But we became best friends and he was like He's really, we really like one another than, like, you would first see. Um, just, like, in terms of music that we like, types of games, how we talk. It's not much of a difference. But when you look at him straight on, just appearance, you wouldn't think that.
0: Good to know. So when you're kind of thinking about who you want to be friends with, you know, you're in a new environment college whatever any place you, you know when the way that people look oftentimes are the first things that register mm-hmm. in our brains so how do you like keeping in mind all the things that you've just said go about seeing people and determining who you're going to approach to maybe be a future friend
2: okay so for me i like to throw myself in there Unless it seems dangerous to do so. So an example of that is... Um, maybe let's say someone has partied a little too much. You know, had too much juice. Um, and they don't seem right. Or just like general mannerisms. Just in terms of like how they talk. Or like how they walk up to you. That's really important. Like I tend to read body language. And how... Someone reacts with their face as well. Because if they look at me weird, I'm not going to go up to them. Because I don't want to see or be seen as, oh, like, I'm really different. And that makes it uncomfortable for people to come up to me. And so it's really just about throwing yourself in there, but being cautious as well when you do it.
0: Yeah, I'm. I get the sense that you're kind of like, I'm the one that's out there, and whoever is like, supposed to be my friend is going to come to me because you're putting yourself out there, and you're like, you're letting mm-hmm. the things come to you. Like, you're going to be unapologetically yourself, and then just trusting that the good relationships are going to follow. Mm-hmm. So, how do you have that trust? That's that's a good question.
2: You see, for me, it's sort of a bad thing as well. I just trust people like right off the bat most of the time
0: I wouldn't call that a bad thing I call that very admirable
2: well thanks (laughs) but for me it's like when they hurt me that's when I know you're no longer in my life I can't keep people who hurt me like deep and just aren't good energy like in my life because of course you're always going to get hurt of course those moments are where you grow but It's learning to know what's a good type of hurt and what's a bad type of hurt. So
0: That's very inspirational words right there because it's true. We're all going to get hurt no matter what. Mm -hmm. So it's not really a good idea to close yourself off to everything because you're going to miss the good things too. Yeah. So I love that. Um, Going back to the city, do you think that it has changed at all since the pandemic? And if so, how?
2: Since the pandemic, um, oftentimes when I go back, I start to see like different buildings and different works being constructed, and it just blows my mind <laughs> because I'm like, I grew up here for years, and now uh, every time that I go back, it seems like it's a new experience for me. Mm. It's just it's eye opening, to say the least, because it shows you how much. Like change could happen as you grow older and how you deal with that change according to your past experiences.
0: Good to know because I personally have not been back a ton since the pandemic and I don't know I'm not really a city dweller myself so mm-hmm. I think it's interesting to see people who live off that energy thrive off of it were born into it mm-hmm. you know Yeah, um, that's, that's an amazing thing it's just so different and I love about that so are there any places in the city that are your favorite to go to that you've been going to or like yeah just share what those are
2: hmm. so my favorite place to go to is Central Park um, it's usually a place where I go to to just get things off my mind it's just enjoy the scenery just because you get you could kind of get away from the hustle and bustle of the city city Mm -hmm. and just sit down on the bench look at the trees you can see a bird flying in the air magical yeah it's just it makes you appreciate life way more just noticing like here's nature and i could always go back to the busy part of my life as well but sometimes i really just need to slow down and reflect
0: well that's making a lot of sense to me why Mm -hmm the actual geographic, like, location of Fairfield was not so jarring to you because I think mm. it is very peaceful and serene. Like, there's a lot of green and, you know, mm. it seems like you could stay in touch with yourself there if that's the part of the city that you love. Mm. Pretty cool. sure. Very cool. Um, so when you go back and forth, do you feel like it is something that is a culture shock? Have you adjusted to it? What, what is that experience like?
2: So I would say the most jarring experience in terms of going back and forth is vacations. Mm. Because especially with long breaks, like once you break the summer break, you get so accustomed to one environment or the other that the other one just seems so strange. Like when you go back, and it takes you a couple days to get used to it again. Um, but I wouldn't say it's a bad thing. It's definitely a good type of thing to experience, and just to know that there's different sides.
0: So even though now you're a senior, you've done it a bunch of times, Mm -hmm. does it still hit the same as it did, or are you expecting it to be now you know it's going to be a culture shock? What's that like now versus how it was then? I feel like every
2: time I go back and forth, it does end up being a culture shock to some degree. Just because um, I've spent so many weeks with my family or so many weeks at school that I forget that, oh, this is how life is at the other place. Because this really is a drastic difference. It's so calm, chill. I could slow down here. When I get to the city, I rapidly pick up the pace. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's good just to go back and forth because... Staying with one thing kind of gets boring you know after a while, so I like to switch it up.
0: I completely agree. I can't stay in one place too long. I always need something a new experience, otherwise, I'm like, oh, I've already done this, yeah, so do you have a preference of um the city versus here?
2: um since I was born in a city, of course, I'm gonna have a bias of uh, course. so i <laughs> I'm always gonna pick the city mm-hmm. just because there's a lot more. Different. There's a lot more activities and people there. Just like you could go to any corner and go to a deli, or you could find an event or something that you would like, or you see like a pet shop and see like oh, it's a cute puppy in the window. It's new experiences everywhere you go, and so I really enjoy the city. And there's still parts I haven't experienced yet. You know, just as is seen here, like you. I'm just getting to this age where I could experience other stuff. So it's all still very new to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think it's one of those places that it's always going to be like that. You could live there your whole life, mm-hmm. and there's always going to be new experiences. Um, so speaking of that, post-graduation, where do you think that you will end up living, and how, has it changed at all since like you came into Fairfield, or are you mm-hmm. still kind of at the same place?
2: Um. <clears throat> So, post-graduation, post-undergrad graduation, I'm trying to get my master's here for education. And so, I'm going to be here another year, which is a good thing. Um, I hope that I could come into contact with new people. Just teach me new things. Um, Just teach me to be adaptive, to say the least. Because... You know, graduate school—it's <laughs> not a joke. Um, and then I also do want to stay with Res Life. So if I do continue as in my graduate year in Res Life, it's still it's going to be a whole new role for me compared to the resident assistant job that I have now. Um, in terms of where I want to go, like after I'm done with school and all that, um, I do want to return to the city. You know try to go back to my old high school, try to teach there, just bring back some of the memories. And it would be the first time for that high school to have, like, a student and an alumni who is like, very high, like, in that school, like, teach there. And so it's, like... I mean, high in terms of academics. (laughs) Like, to teach there and everything. So it would be definitely a good experience. Um, But for me... I feel as if I just want to go with the flow. And I can't always say what's in the future. Nobody can. And so, like, depending on who I meet, what I do with my life, outside of my work, um, yeah, that would definitely set the tone for where I want to live.
0: I'm glad that you're open to opportunities because I always... Like, tell people in my own life, you know, don't close yourself off. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of friends back home who are like, I need to be rich by the time I'm 30. And, like, so then I can finally relax and do this and that. And I'm like, we're living life now. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I love how you're not closing yourself off to opportunities because who knows what could come your way, Mm -hmm. our way.
2: Yeah. You could always earn money back. You can't always earn the time back.
0: I love that. (laughs) Highlight right there. Um, so you did talk about wanting to be a teacher and like your life plans and all of that, so i I want to know what made you decide that you want to be a teacher.
2: Growing up, education has always been a focal point in my life it's been my family has stressed academics coming from a, a Vietnamese background and Puerto Rican background and this third generation, so their main focus is. We want you to get an education so you could have a better life. And you don't have to go through the same struggles as we did. And so for me, it was through my education that I've actually found a lot of other good experiences as well. Just to build friendships, to have fun, to actually socialize, and to grow as a person. And that's the key point of education. It's not always the curriculum. It's how you grow as an individual and how you build up these skills and learn what you love. So
0: so you could definitely teach that to your students no matter what subject you teach. Mm-hmm. But is there, I mean, you said you're a history major. Is that what you want to teach or is there a different subject?
2: I do want to teach history because for me it's always been the history teachers that are the most down to earth. Um I definitely want to implant life lessons into my curriculum lessons because there's a life lesson in every historical event. So, it could be it could be really boring when you just talk about dates and facts. But you have to look past the dates and facts and look at the human side of it. Cuz that's actually what sparks most of these events. It's, it could be like this. This guy looked at me wrong and I have that grudge against him and that people. So I want to do everything in my power to get back at those people. And so you start to learn stuff like that um, as you progress throughout the years. But history has always been one of my favorite subjects in terms of just being able to Analyze the situation and build your argument. Of course, like building your argument. I don't like to argue. (laughs) Like as a person, I don't like to argue. But it's all about explaining your perspective and getting to know other people's perspectives. And that doesn't only just help out with a test or writing a paper. It helps out with actually talking to people because it forces you to understand what the other person is going through. In that you're not going to have the same experience all the time. And you have to be conscientious of what you say and what you do.
0: So what are your thoughts on who writes history? Because I think that oftentimes shapes a lot of what we learn. Just even looking at the U.S., the history that I learned, I mean, growing up in New Jersey, very similar. Mm-hmm. Um was very different than what's taught down south. Yeah. Just in terms of certain, um, just just a lot of different things. Um, and how, how do you approach that? And leave sp- how will you approach it and kind of leave space for, we don't know everything, we can't know everything that happened 500 mm-hmm. years ago. Or even what's happening now. We can't know everything anytime.
2: For sure. So a lot of the time, history is told by the victors. And the people who are in power at the time and who are in that region because U.S. history and how it's taught here is different from how it's taught in Japan. How it's taught in places like France or Brazil. So it's learning that everyone has their own history and everyone's going to tell it a different way because it's a different culture and it's a different environment. How you combat that is being open and Purposely looking for those other views. Because if you're always told, oh, the United States won World War II and they dropped these nuclear bombs, and that has caused many Americans not to lose their lives and for us to become a power in the world. Look at it at the Japanese perspective. What happened to all those people? Why did we drop those bombs on them? How did they recover? Just learning how, how many families has this affected. It's just learning that it's there's different sides to every situation. And a lot of time, you don't hear the side that wins. And that side is lost in history.
0: I completely agree with that because I can't tell you the conversations that I have with people about that. Because a lot of people are interested in World War II. And there's a lot of um, important things that have come out of that war. I mean... I will just say that talking about that specifically, it's interesting to tell people like, well, you know, Pearl Harbor is was a military base. Mm -hmm. And, you know, unfortunately, what happened there? Not going to promote it, but I'm just going to say like military base compared to the U.S. dropping bombs on civilians and Mm -hmm. all of that. So I will just say, like, in my own experience, I can agree that it's not. I'm surprised by the amount of people that don't know those things or haven't been taught, and that's just one small example. But I love how you have an emphasis on the whole side of the story. And do you think that when you're teaching your students, any information you might have, especially coming from your specific ethnic background, would come into play with that?
2: Um, I definitely want it to come into play. The thing about high school, it's very... Test-driven and curriculum-driven. And so that leaves not too much leeway in terms of, like, telling the other side of the story. But I think what's important is to just, when you have those moments where you could say it, you should say it. And so it just opens up your students' eyes. Or even just after school or on your lunch break. If some students come up to you it's like, hey, may you tell us about this? I'm like, yeah, this is my point of view. Um, It may not be yours, but this is how it is.
0: I think that some of the best things some of my teachers have done is encouraging that. You know, you might not have time for it, and you Mm -hmm. are kind of set in restrictions. Um, But I think one of the biggest things about school is not necessarily what you learn, crazy to say that, Mm -hmm. but that you're taught how to think. And critical thinking skills, I think history is one of those subjects that does that. Um, And... Really, how can you apply that? Because why do we learn history at all? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it teaches us about the present. I mean, even if you think about what's going on in the world today,
3: mm-hmm.
0: we often have give this distance and say, mm-hmm. "Oh, that happened then. This could never happen now." You know, all of these past wars. You know, questions that we ask ourselves: How would I act in these situations? It's mm-hmm. happening right now, and we have to. I think that learning from the past can help shape the future and especially being an informed citizen is something that going to school is invaluable for, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I really commend what you're doing because I think it's very difficult to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. It's not often valued in our society and that's because of the way that it's constructed, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we tend to put our money where our mouth is. And I think that teachers are not paid Nearly enough, and I'm sorry. This is getting a little bit into my Valprecci moment here, but how have you look overlooked all of that and said, you know what? I know the world is not is not going to appreciate the way that I'm, the, what I'm choosing to do as much as I know it's important. Mm-hmm. How did you make that decision to say it doesn't matter what the world thinks? I'm going to be okay, and I'm going to make a difference where I'm at.
2: You see, the most important thing for me is how I impact other people's lives and how I could bring joy and progress into their life. And that's been the main, stru- main motivator for me in everything I do. Not only academics, but with friends as well. It's just, you have to appreciate the moments you have and know that you could really bring joy and a positive impact in ways that you'll never know. That you never understand. And it's just amazing. Especially when people tell you the impact that you've had on them. I'm like, what? I just did this. Like, it wasn't that big. But they're like, no. In it reality, was it was very big and very inspirational for them. Even though, for you, it's just doing what you have to do.
0: That's why I always say, be yourself. Authentically yourself. Because... Mm-hmm. That gives other people the courage to do the same thing. Provides open space, free of judgment, you know? Mm. Just be ourselves. Um, so do you think that college has changed the way that you've thought previously? Like coming in, you know, you had what you want to do. Has it enhanced it? Like what has your college experience done for you?
2: Okay, so I came in as a biology major on the pre-med track. <laughs> so definitely a different, different path. Mm-hmm. Um, my c- college has taught me that things aren't going to go as planned. Something that you may have thought you would have enjoyed or you thought would have been good because your family wants you to do it, just wouldn't bring you happiness. And you really have to chase what makes you happy, whether that's academics, extracurriculars, even just hanging out with friends. You got to chase what makes you happy.
0: At the end of the day, it's your life to live. Mm-hmm. And that's what I always say, do what makes you happy. So, 100%. Um, has there been one lesson that has stuck out to you in your college experience? Mm,
2: one lesson. Mm. Huh, this is. There's so many lessons. I'm not going to okay. lie. Choose one to share. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's good. One lesson that I've learned is. That you really have to put in the work, but also find time for yourself. And it's really hard to balance that, especially in this setting. Because you can have a 10-page paper during two weeks, and you're like, eh, I'll just wait till that Wednesday to do it. But the most important thing is learning that, oh, but I'm going to have so much stuff in between those two weeks. So I really should do it little by little so it doesn't stress me out. And so I could still have fun when I want to have fun and I'm not burnt out by the end of the semester.
0: Perfect. Um, is this year being a senior any different than any previous years you've had? And if so, how?
2: Hmm. I think it's just been more eye-opening. Especially... Like, thinking about, oh, I'm, I'm almost out the door. It's crazy. And it's just realizing, like, you're the oldest person in most of the rooms now. And you have to be a role model, or at least try to be a role model, because you're not going to be a role model 100% of the time. But try your best. And you have to keep on doing you and finding ways to enjoy this last year. Because you're not going to get college back. It's four years. four years of life in the grand span of everything is very little.
0: So have your interactions with people shifted from, oh, you know, I'm a little freshie coming in. Or sophomore because sophomore was your freshman year. Um, <laughs> so now it's like, ooh, I, I really got to be. Like, how, how do you be a role model to other people is it that oh I have to be you know older or how, how do you approach it
2: so for me it's not always like I don't really think about like oh I have to be this certain way because that's just gonna restrict me so for me this year it's more so I want to have way more experiences so I pushed myself compared to like freshman year where I only stayed in my room Partially because of COVID. But also because of my personality. I have to get out there. I have to speak to people. Because if I don't. I'm just going to be by myself. And there's not many growth moments. When you're just alone. And you're not speaking to people. And gaining that experience. So. It's really all about. Pushing yourself. And trying to be open as best you could um because there's definitely some moments where i'm like oh i'm really nervous to do this but it should be fun
0: once you had that courage to kind of open yourself up did did it come easy for you finding people that you connected with or did that take time
2: you see i've connected way more with people because of the resident assistant job um just going through training, it puts me in a place where there's 90 other people in the room with me. And I can't just sit there and stay quiet. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm forced to talk to people. I can't be just in one corner. Um, and So that's really opened my eyes in terms of the different types of people I could meet and the different types of personalities, really. That's the most important part. Um, and just learning that... You know, there's a bright side to every person. There's a not-so-bright side to every person. But you got to appreciate them for who they are.
0: So do you think it was like that specific environment that helped you make a lot of your friends? Because you were talking about your best friend was an RA, right? Mm-hmm. And... Um,
2: I met her beforehand, but yeah, for sure.
0: Wait, but you were saying... Oh, wait, was your... Never mind, your friend who was um the frat boy was not an RA.
2: Yeah, he was an RA last year. Okay. And so we met through that. And but he's
0: not your best friend. Your best friend, shout out Anna, or no. <laughs> I,
2: I have a lot of besties. You have so oh, many best friends, so, so. I'm sorry. In my
0: brain, I'm like, best friend? Yeah, no, I'm kidding. I call a bunch of people my besties. <laughs> um, but your best friend's on campus. Yeah. Who, who, are those primarily RAs? Or?
2: My best friend's on campus. They're RAs now in this moment. <laughs> oh, okay. Or it used to be RAs. Gotcha. But um, I would say... A lot of them are just because I learned that they are also trying to grow themselves and really trying to be open. Because walking up to a door when there's 40-something people in the room is no joke. Or no a joke. townhouse like what For you do. Or a townhouse. Yeah. It's frightening. And yeah. it makes you nervous. But knowing that this Gonna be somewhere there, someone there with you. is always, always a stress reliever, and it forces you to, hey, I'm gonna do what's best for the both of us because I have another person to, to look out for, just as I have to look out for it myself.
0: Definitely a bonding experience. Um, so in those specific instances, though they might not be RAs now, or maybe they weren't before. Did the job bring you together, or are you just saying that, like, the job brings about a certain type of person?
2: Mm. So I would say the job forces you to come into contact with people. Okay. And so for me, it forced me to come into contact with people, and by being myself and being really open, other people enjoyed that, and other people wanted to be my friend, and that's how we grew close, by sharing I guess you could say deepest darkest secrets but like not that deep. <laughs> well sometimes really deep but like you know it's just being open to share like everything that's on your mind even if it's not the best thing. It doesn't have to be happy. It's It could be in your worst moments when you find out who your true friends are that they could really help you grow and it's not only like them saying oh oh I'm sorry that you're going through this it's more so like oh You're going through this. I'm sorry you're going through this, but here's what you got to do to get out of that. And I'm here to support you, but you got to put in the work yourself.
0: I got you. It's kind of like that difference of the friend. I don't know where I saw this, but there's like some graphic of here's the friend who's like, you're in the hole, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's the friend who's at the top of the hole looking down on you and saying like, you should do this. You should be happy, whatever. And then there's the Mm -hmm. friend that'll climb down and sit in the hole with you yeah and you know sometimes there's not a solution to these things but we just want to feel like we're not alone and like Mm -hmm. that's what can help us get through so i think putting yourself out there and finding people who respond to that is definitely a good good strategy Mm -hmm. going forward so do you think that um you're gonna stay in touch with them after college what is that gonna look like for you do you think
2: man like i was just thinking about it today i'm like how am i gonna do this Uh, I'm like, hmm, maybe it's really going to... Of course, communication is going to go down because we're going to have other factors in our life now. But it's more so saying, like, you could make time for them, whether it's a call, like, once every three months. Because it's really like that sometimes. Like, some of your best friends, you don't call them for a year. Then you call them, like, you call them, like, a day later or a day, like, someday, and it's like, oh, how you been? And it's like, we were never apart. So it's just making sure you do reach out Mm -hmm. and try not to lose that communication. And try to plan, like, small things here and there because you don't want to lose your friends all the time.
0: It's little things that matter, you know? And Mm -hmm. the true friends are the ones that you do call them in years past and... It's like nothing happened like you said
2: for sure and even if you lose friends even those that you believe that are your best friends or your true friend it's important to think about the lessons and the memories they gave you and it's sometimes it's not about holding on to people it's about holding on to what they've taught you and how they made you feel and that's how you really continue to go on and blossom in your other relationships
0: going to give space for that because that was incredible that was something really important because oftentimes we talk about how our friends can come and go and that's not a bad thing i think it's just accepting Mm -hmm. that that's how life is Mm -hmm. and that's totally normal as long as like you said we take out of it what that experience had to give us that's awesome um so let's see what else i want to ask you eli so much so much that you're open to so (laughs) (laughs) i don't have to get this um, what are some challenges that you've faced in life and how specifically have you worked to overcome them?
2: Mm. Challenges that I've faced in life is putting myself too much out there. It's like, I do love putting myself out there <laughs> because like, I can meet so many people through it. But it's learning that not everyone's going to be your friend. As much as you want to think that, or you really want that to be reality and you work towards that, it's just not possible because it's hard maintaining relationships with people. It really is. And it's hard to keep track of them. So the important thing is learning how to separate, oh, you're an acquaintance. You're a friend. You're a good friend. You're my best friend. And it's just learning that I could talk to this person about everything. I could talk to this person about, like, some things because they won't be able to keep all of it in their mind or be as responsive to it.
0: So how do you suss out, like, who your best friends are versus those people that you have, you know, limited friendships with?
2: So how I sourced those out was by just saying stuff and saying jokes and saying what's on my mind. And if they don't respond, like, in a positive way, or in a way that helps me grow, you start to realize, oh, it's probably the best for the both of us just to do our own thing. Or if it was going well at first, and then it started to fizzle out, it's important to remember, oh, I was a good force in this person's life, but... It's time for them to experience new things, just as it is time for me to experience new new things. And I gotta take those lessons with me and learn how I could be with other people, even if it's a different personality.
0: So when somebody comes to you with something and maybe it is a little bit deeper, do you are you cognizant of that? And like do you say, Well, maybe this isn't a person that I should get to this level with, so then I'm gonna kind of Give a response. That's like, eh, you know, okay. Or are, are you a person that always? I'm not saying this is a good thing, mm-hmm. or always responds to that. Like, how do you approach that in your own relationships when somebody comes to you with something?
2: I always try to respond because I know how it feels to be excluded and left out. <laughs> it really hurts, and I think just being open to like what other people have to say and to actually listen. Is a positive force like in their life because you don't even have to say anything back. You could just sit there for an hour of them just talking, talking. You may not even remember it because most of the time, two weeks after a conversation is had, you don't remember the thing, but you remember how it made you feel. And by listening, you're making them feel right.
0: So, do you think that, like, what are some strategies for active listening? If somebody wants to become a better listener, how can they? Because, you know, I'm a talker. You know, I'll just I'll, I'll throw myself into the ring. You know what I mean? I like to talk. How, somebody like me, how would you encourage them to be a more active listener?
2: More active listener. So, for me, sometimes I have a problem with jumping in. Um... Especially if I get, like, too excited, like, talking to that person. Because I could get very happy when talking to people. Relatable. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, just saying they're not done talking yet, I'm going to let them finish their thought. And then I could either bounce off that thought, or if they completely finish and don't want to discuss it further, I'll jump to another one.
0: Reading out the situation.
2: Yeah, it's a lot of reading and just analyzing their tone and the language they present with their face and their body
0: so how do you how do you do that cuz i think that's a skill that you have to like develop how do you get the vibe of somebody how do you trust your own intuition
2: mm-hmm. for me i'm very attentive to small details so if i notice you like like looking away like for split seconds like multiple times when we're talking it's kind of like I don't think you're interested. Or if you're holding eye contact for too long and just saying,
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
2: yes.
0: Like the eyes are glazing over. Yeah,
2: you could tell when someone's eyes are glazing over and that the information you're saying is going from one ear and not the other. Mm-hmm. It happens to me, too. It happens to the best of us. But it's just learning that, you know, there's going to be moments where you don't hear it and you got to respond positively. Or you could ask them, hey, may I repeat what you said? Like, don't be afraid to ask them to repeat what you said because there's going to be some moments in time where you've had a hard day. They have had a hard day and you're not going to be 100% there. But you got to put yourself there as best you could
0: that's definitely some good things to think about and definitely bringing in like that conscious aspect of it too. Cause sometimes we have to read vibes just like based off of feeling like mm-hmm. intuition can be important, but I think like picking up on those small things is a good way to start building it. Especially like maybe you've been in situations where you thought something was a certain way and it turned out to be another way. Yeah. You know, manipulation's a real thing. I'll just gonna throw that out there.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely is.
0: <laughs> so, um, you know, you know, but I think that, over time, people will reveal their true colors. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, like you said, sometimes people might throw something out there. you got to see how they respond to it. And I think that's something I'm always conscious of, of other people's lives is when they choose to share something deep with me. It's like mm-hmm. that's oftentimes only the tip of the iceberg. And people are sharing what might be slightly palatable to see how you deal with it because they're not going to give you their life story all in one go. Mm-hmm. I mean – Maybe you will, Eli, yeah, because you're an open book, <laughs> <laughs> which is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people are looking for somebody that they can trust. And I mm-hmm. think that if you're looking to measure someone's trust, a good thing to do is put out that feeler. To see how they respond.
2: For sure. I know for me, that's how I started off. How I do feelers is through humor. So if you don't like my sense of humor, then it's very hard for me to connect with you. <laughs> because... An important thing is to smile and laugh. That makes the other person happy and makes you happy. And when that's not present, you're not going to be present.
0: I love that. I love to laugh. Um, Definitely a good way to kind of break up some of the seriousness at at times. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know um, if this is even that applicable, but I just watched Pete Davidson's Cold Open on SNL. And he was talking about... Like the things that are going on in Israel and Palestine and addressing it,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and saying that, you know, he had gone through his own life experiences losing his dad in 9 11, and said how comedy is a important way forward. Not to take away from any of those things or not mm-hmm. that we shouldn't address them, but sometimes, like, we do need that relief and we need space where we can just be away from things so we can heal from them and mm-hmm. then address them with a, a greater intensified focus.
2: Yeah, sometimes, even with those intense things, You have to use humor to try and cope. Because if you try to take it all serious and try to grieve through something, just only grieving, it's very hard. It could tear you apart. It's important that you find times to just take a breather. Have a laugh. Realize that although this is a bad thing, it really sucks there's good times ahead and I could always find good times.
0: Awesome. So we only got a couple of minutes left. Mm. I wanted to just say thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank Very... you for having me. Thank, well, of mm. course. Yeah. Thank you for mm. offering, you know, I love that you were like Val, I'm going to be on your show and I, I, I want to see that more often. So seriously, mm. more people should be like you. I'm just thank saying you. I'll put it out there. Is there anything that you want to say as a closing word, final piece of advice, final anything?
2: Hmm. Final piece of advice. Hmm. Doesn't there's that often going to be... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, I got you. It's like, there's often going to be uncomfortable situations. Everyone's going to be uncomfortable. You really got to just tell yourself, I could get through this i had to take the steps to get through this it's not always thinking about the negative in a situation because even if there's a negative there could be something good out of that
0: awesome thank you so much eli for coming on the show
2: thanks
0: um i'd love to hear more from you when you're living your best life Mm -hmm. and see how it all ends up because you know what life is like a story and we I can't wait to hear how yours goes and mm-hmm. on my own honestly I'm waiting to see where my life ends up because I have no clue
2: <laughs> exactly it's like a roller coaster there's always ups and downs but you enjoy the ride
0: so true so true <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah once again thank you for being so open thank you for sharing yourself on the show I hope this did something for our listeners mm-hmm. um, and to anyone out there who is listening thank you so much for tuning in um next week we'll be right back here monday 6 to 7 p.m we've got another ra on so you know what i think maybe i'm becoming i'm stereotyping my friends not good (laughs) not good but i I gotta vouch for them because i'm one of them great people Mm -hmm. so all right i'm joining on to close out the show (laughs) bye for now pals it's val signing off and i'll see you next time bye